person going through the dark night of the soul, you are a bright and morning star. God, for every person in despair, you give them a garment of praise. God, you preach good news to the poor. You lift the needy up. Come on, you lift the needy up from the ashy. God, you are a God of goodness, a God of breakthrough, and you are so worthy of our praise. God, we stand in, in, in community, God, with the millions of people around the world that are declaring the name of Jesus. And this morning, we just declare Jesus Christ is Lord over our own lives, over our city, over our nation, over the, come on, over the nation of Mexico, God, over Bangkok, Thailand, that Jesus Christ would be Lord and Savior of our lives. God, we thank you for meeting with us as we worship. We pray over this time, God, of opening your word. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come teach us. God, give us the keys that you want to give us this morning. God, we pray, God, for tonight, as tonight was the most historic night since the planting of All People's Church, as we will become one church in two locations. God, we pray for a massive harvest right now in Tijuana, Mexico, as hundreds of our church family are preaching the gospel and believing for great things. God, and we pray specifically for Pastor Robert as he preaches the gospel today. Imply us, God, that many people would be saved at the festival that our church is hosting, partnering with the government of Tijuana. It's absolutely incredible. God, come and move in power in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that might have been enough for one Sunday. <laughs> that was an awesome time of worship. You guys love to worship. Hey, uh, before we get started, I just want to introduce myself. My name's Kendall. I'm the executive pastor here at All People's Church, which means I oversee our ministries and work with a lot of our staff. I have a family, uh, a wife named Shelly, who you'll see around today in the back right now, and then two little boys, Ike, who's three, and Jed, who's 10 months old, but is the size of a two-year-old. So that is, that is my family, and I also have a dog named Pepper and a cat named Chicken, in case you were wondering. It's a little funny. That's, that's what we named them. So good morning, good morning, good morning, and thank you for being with us today as we're kind of scaling down our services. We do this once a year for our church-wide Mexico trip, but we still want to always offer a service, especially in the morning for people with children's ministry and everything that's going on. So we scaled it down a little bit, but we still got you some coffee this morning. So don't worry. It's going to be a great day in the presence of God as we open the Word of God. It's going to be a wonderful time. Please be praying for us. I know I already prayed for it, but Pastor Jonathan, our campus pastor in Tijuana, and Robert are launching our All People's Tijuana campus tonight. And it is going to be such an incredible time as we're believing for God to do big things as our church becomes one church and two locations. If you're excited about that, give somebody a high five. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Great. Hey, one more announcement. Who's been journeying with us on our sermon series, The Discipleship Revolution? I know it's been powerful for a lot of us as Robert's been teaching us some of the basics of biblical discipleship as we've been walking together. You may remember that a few weeks ago we released an iPhone app called Make Disciples, which will instruct you on your journey of being discipled and discipling others. The website is makedisciples.me. And special announcement this morning, what I learned was the app was just released for Android as well. So all you Android where are you Android users? Droid. Give me a droid. Awesome. We have an app for you as well. So we're going to be making disciples on the iPhone and the Android, but really just through our lives. So that's going to be an exciting thing that's going on. Okay, let me see if I have any other announcements. Nope. You ready to jump in? Great. 
Have you ever had a wall in your life that you just couldn't knock down? Just something you just couldn't break through. Maybe a door you just couldn't open. You just couldn't force your way into it. We all, we all come to those things sometimes in our lives, don't we? I remember a time in my life where I had a wall that I, I needed to knock down. I told you a little bit about my family, about my wife, Shelly, my two boys, Ike and Jed, my dog, Pepper, and my cat named Chicken. And uh, I, I have to tell you this story. A few years ago, we, we live in La Mesa, just, just about a mile east of here, uh, about the third house in La Mesa outside San Diego. And we were, we were remodeling our kitchen, remodeling our living room. And as we were doing that, as you often do when you remodel, things get messy. We had nails everywhere and wood and trash, and we were just kind of trying to make it and survive. And we finally got to the place where we had all the junk out. We'd done all the demolition, and we were able to put some new walls in. So we had a guy come in, and he ended up putting some new walls around our living room and some walls in our kitchen. And they looked really nice, and he spent the day doing that. So when, when, when that happened... Um, we, we started to notice that, that we were missing our cat at about the same time. Now, you know cats. They come and go. You know, not anybody else have to have a cat. You know how cats are. They just come and go. Right. They do what they want. Okay. They're like teenagers. So, just kidding. So, um, so uh, cats, um, you know, they kind of have their own way about them. So, I wasn't worried about it. But my wife was starting to get a little concerned. And, and so, we were looking around for the cat. And I just casually said, just kind of, cutting up a little bit, just said, wouldn't it be funny if we accidentally drywalled the cat into the wall? You see where the story is going. So a few hours later, we found ourselves ears to the wall. Where is chicken meowing, hearing the faint meowing of this poor, destitute little cat that had crawled behind the wall, having to redo some of the work that the contractor did and, and bust open the wall. And don't worry, no animals were harmed in the making of this sermon. Chicken is okay. <laughs> okay, funny story, but sometimes in life there are walls that won't come down or doors that won't open. You can take down the discipleship revolution thing. There are walls that, that won't come down, doors that won't open. I want to I tell you a story from world history about a wall that came down. I'll never forget growing up uh, in the middle of the night, my dad came into my room. He woke me up, and he said, son, I want you to come up to our room, mom and dad's room, to come and watch this TV program. It was like 4 in the morning. This was very unusual. And so uh, we ran upstairs, and I watched with my dad on live TV on CNN of the Berlin Wall coming down. And just these people with just this crazy wild freedom in their eyes, just streaming over this wall with sledgehammers, wearing bandanas. I mean, I still remember it like it was yesterday. It made quite the impression on me. The fall of the Berlin Wall, the wall that separated East and West Germany, communist Germany versus free Germany after World War II, it was quite the event in world history. And uh, I just want to read you some quotes from the newspapers that talked about the fall of the Berlin Wall because it was a surprise to most of the world. Uh, One newspaper said this, it was an event not to be predicted. It was an event not to be predicted. The Washington Post wrote this about the fall of the Berlin Wall, said, no one could have anticipated No one could have anticipated the event. So all throughout the world, everyone was surprised by this great event. No one really saw it coming. But there was a few groups of people who did. There was a few groups of people who did see the fall of the Berlin Wall coming. And God had raised up prayer warriors that actually had prophesied that this event would come. 
God had raised up people that prayed and prophesied that this event would come. I want to tell you about some of them. In East Germany on Monday nights in a town called Lipzing, Germany, there was a group of people that prayed at an old church every Monday night at 6 p.m. And what they were praying for was the fall of communism in Europe. And God had revealed to them that if they met consistently, that he would do a miracle. They were persecuted. The East German police would come, break up the prayer meetings at times, break up their vigils. But they continued to meet under persecution because God had revealed to them if they continued to pray that the wall would come down. That's pretty cool, right? Okay, it gets better. Uh, One famous person, uh, this famous meeting happened in Pasadena, California. A woman stood up as they were praying for Germany and they were praying for communist Europe. And she said this, she quoted this verse, Psalm 107, 16, saying this, for he broke down the prison gates of bronze. He cut apart their bars of iron. And she stood up and said, I believe God's given me this verse because he, God is going to break down the Berlin Wall in our day and Germany will be free. So a powerful prayer meeting that happened in the weeks before the Berlin Wall fell. Here's another story. One intercessor, one prayer warrior named Samuel Howells had been praying for communist Europe for 25 years. He had dedicated his life to praying for communist Europe that the gospel of Jesus Christ would be preached there. And shortly before the fall of the wall, this is what he wrote to a friend. He said this, The day of fulfillment is dawning. And the whole world will feel the impact. (laughs) The burden of prayer left him, and he knew it would happen. He knew he would see the Berlin Wall fall in his day. Pretty cool, right? Sometimes behind the newspaper, there's another story. There's the story of people who are believing for great things, for God to do great things in their generation. And we want to be people like that. And how many of you know this? We serve a God that breaks down walls. We serve a God that breaks down walls. We serve God that opens doors that no man can open. We serve a supernatural God. We serve a God of breakthrough. Just to quote this verse again, Isaiah 45, 2, it says this in the New Living Translation. I will go before you and will level the mountains. God is going before you. He's leveling the rough places before you. He's making a way for you. I will break down the gates of bronze and cut through the bars of irons. God himself, he's the God of the breakthrough. He wants to come in front of our lives and do big things in our lives, do big things in our day. Maybe world history and the Berlin Wall, that seems extraneous to you, but I want to tell you there's things in your life that God wants to bring breakthrough to. There's things in your life that God wants to help with, and he wants to break down walls and open doors in your life. We serve a God of supernatural breakthrough, but there's a key. There's a key that God uses to bring breakthrough into our lives. There's a key God uses to open doors. And I want to speak to you this morning from the subject, prayer is the key. Prayer is the key. You can write that down. Prayer is the key. That's the title of our message today. Show me your keys real quick. Just get out your keys. Give them a little jingle. Show me your keys, everybody. I know we got some keys in here. Oh, we got more than that. You guys all carpool or something? Prayer is the key. So if you remember one thing today, just remember that the pastor made you, you know, rifle through your purse and pull out your keys. Prayer is the key. Prayer is the key to seeing breakthrough from God. Thank you, Kelly. Prayer is the key. Amen. So let's look today at a story from the life of Jesus where he teaches us about prayer being the key. Let's turn to Luke chapter 18 together as we do that. Some people may have Bibles. Some people may have phones. We'll also put it up on the screen for you as well as we turn to Luke chapter 18 and talk about prayer is the key. Are you ready? You ready for the word of God? Awesome. Let you turn there. 
Luke 18, verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary, for some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow is bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. (laughs) So interesting, keep going. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will not God bring out justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Such an interesting parable of Jesus talking about the power of prayer. Prayer is the key. You know, I think there's a few, there's a few ways here that Jesus is teaching us how to turn the key of prayer. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Three ways in our life we can turn the key of prayer as we're learning that prayer is the key. So here's the first thing I see in this passage about this widow. Some people call this the parable of the persistent widow. This widow was persistent. Amen? She was persistent. Persistence is the first way that we turn the key of prayer in our lives. Persistence is the first way we turn the key of prayer in our first wives. The New Oxford Dictionary defines persistence as this, a firm or obstinate continuance in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. I'm going to read that again. A firm or obstinate, you might even say stubborn, continuance in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. So if someone's called you stubborn before, you're a perfect candidate to be on God's prayer team because being turning the key of prayer requires persistence, firm, obstinate continuance in the face of opposition. We want to be a people in this church of continuous, persistent prayer. I, I love verse 1. I want to read that to you again. Let's put that back up. Just verse 1 of the passage in Luke 18. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not, and not, you know, Jesus told a lot of parables, but there's only a few parables where he said why he was saying them like this. And I think he wanted it to be really, really clear for his disciples because he knew we would be tempted to give up. Anybody out there ever been tempted to give up? Yeah, I know I have, because we face opposition when we're believing God to do things. Sometimes we're tempted to give up. But here's the thing. Oh, I love this in the message version. I wanted to read that for us. Jesus told them a story showing that it was necessary for them to pray consistently and never quit. For them to pray consistently and never quit. We want to be a people of persistent prayer because persistent prayer releases something powerful. I love how the judge says it in verse 4. This widow just keeps bothering me. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) We want to be a people of persistent prayer. We want to be known for our firm, obstinate, standing on the word of God, believing for things in our life. We don't know why there's always obstacles. We don't know why there's opposition. We don't know why our prayers aren't always answered. But we do know this. We can be persistent. 
We can be persistent like this widow, and God promises that he will bring us justice in Jesus' name. We can be persistent. I want to share you some examples of persistent prayer. First of all, just the life of our church. In the life of our church, probably one of the best examples as of late of persistence prayer would be this Mexico launch that's happening tonight. You know, this isn't something we just decided to do upon a whim. We didn't make a strategic plan for the year and then said, oh, Mexico, that's next on the list. Let's do that. This has been 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 years of prayer for this work in Mexico. I know Robert and Stephanie, they've prayed for Mexico for years. They've asked God, can we move to Mexico to plant a church? I know they were asking that early in their marriage. Jonathan, the campus pastor, is half Latino. He speaks Spanish, and he's always had a heart for the Mexican people, the Mexican world, trying to go and reach people there. He's prayed and prayed for years that God would use him in that nation. I know in my own life, in 2004, I had a vision on a trip to Mexico, and it was much a trip like the trip our church is doing. God just spoke to me so powerfully, put this picture before me in a time of worship. And the picture was this, that Robert and I were in Baja, California. I was living in Waco, Texas at the time. I've never been to Baja, California. But we were in Baja, California preaching the gospel, and God was moving in power. I didn't tell anybody about that vision, but I prayed for it for 10 years. There's a persistence that God wants to bring into our life to believe for new things in this church. Amen? Yeah, we are a church of persistent prayer. I can't tell you how many staff meetings we've cried out for this word that God's given us, that we'd have one foot in San Diego and one foot in Mexico. I mean, how many, Kelly? So dozens, maybe a hundred, who knows? Um, We've prayed that so many times over the years, and then what happens? In a moment, God opens the door, and it takes a long time, but it feels like an and suddenly, and tonight we have a campus in Mexico just like that because of persistent prayer. I've seen the breakthrough come in my own life through persistent prayer. I just want to list off, honestly, I, I, I feel like this could be a whole series just because all the different things we've seen God do in my own little family through persistent prayer. I just want to read to you some of them to stir your faith because I bet you have some need this morning that God wants to bring per, a persistent prayer into your life for breakthrough. We've seen God pay off our college debt through persistent prayer. Somebody need that? Say amen. We've seen God provide us a house in San Diego that we own at the best possible interest rate of the year. At that day, God provided it for persistent prayer. We've seen God provide for countless overseas mission trips, bring supernatural breakthrough in the development of one of our children, bring emotional breakthrough to us in a time of darkness and despair, providing jobs, transforming people in our family. A a little, um, almost a year ago, we had a niece that was born at 20 four weeks. Her life was teetering on the brink, and today she was dedicated to the Lord in Dallas, Texas. God has sustained her life from the power of persistent prayer in Jesus' name. Is your faith rising for persistent prayer, people? Come on. One way we turn the key of prayer in our life is persistence. Here's the next thing. Knowing God's character. Knowing God's character. I love that song that's out right now. He's a good, good father. That's a great song. It's about the character of God. I like Psalm 119. It says, God, you are good, and all that you do is good. It's in the book, people. He's a good, good God. I find it so interesting when Jesus tells this parable, he talks about an unrighteous judge. He's talking about an unrighteous judge, a judge that doesn't care about other people, 
a judge that doesn't care about what God thinks. It says he doesn't even fear God in some versions. He's not godly. But then in verse 7, Jesus transitions, and he makes kind of a comparison and a contrast here. Verse 7 of Luke 18. Do we have that, guys? Can we go to verse 7 just on the, on the slide? It'll probably pop up in the middle. And the Lord says, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? If an unrighteous judge will relent because of a pestering widow, don't you think a good, good father will open his hands to his children that are crying out to justice for him day and night? Amen? We serve a God that is good, that wants to bless us, that wants to walk with us, and wants to bring breakthrough in our lives. I think the reason that God sometimes has us rely upon him in prayer is because he's all about relationship. God is all about relationship. He loves it when we come to him. He loves it when we come to him and ask for things. Even my, my oldest son, he'll come to me at the end of the night and say, Daddy, ice water. I love it. I love giving him ice water before he goes to bed. It's awesome. How much better is God, right? God wants to give us good things. Prayer isn't twisting God's arm. It's not convincing God to do his will. But just to enter into the mystery of God's will for a moment, there are some things that God has chosen not to do until his people cry out to him in prayer. We don't understand why this side of heaven, but we know how. It's relying upon relationship with him. We have to know the character of God if we're going to pray powerfully and turn the key of prayer to get breakthrough in our lives. We have to know the character of of God. You know, this, these past few months as I've been praying, it almost seems like every time of prayer I've been in, God's had me start praying in a certain way. He's had me start praying by looking upon his character. And I love this little thing that I, I learned years ago. I call it the alphabet of praise. Anybody ever heard of the alphabet of praise out there? When we start prayer, I'll just go through the alphabet. I don't remember if the alphabet's 24 or 26 letters right now, but I'm sure it's in the high 20s, 26. And what I'll do is I'll just begin to declare the character of God as I begin to pray and go through the alphabet. I'll do something like this. I'll say, God, you're abundantly available. God, you're bold. You reveal yourself to me boldly. God, you're compassionate. God, you're caring. Oh, God, you're dangerous to the devil. You came to destroy the works of the evil one. Come on, God, you're everything. God, you're the fairest of 10,000. God, you're good. God, you're great. God, you're holy. God, you're a healer. God, you're indescribable. God, you're just. God, you're kind. God, you're loving. You're merciful. You're never ending. You're over it all. You're the God of power. You're the God that's quick to forgive me. God, you're righteous. God, you're safe. God, you bring me security. God, you're trustworthy. God, you are something that starts with you. God, you are victorious. You are wonderful. You're excellent in every way. You are Yahweh. We get to say your name, Yahweh, which the Hebrews couldn't say for 2,000 years because we're intimate with you, God. And God, you are zealous for our love, God. And then I will enter in. And then I will enter in just believing for the breakthrough for the things in our lives. Because when we stand upon God's character, we can stand upon this, that he will go before us that he will break open the doors, that he will cut through the bars of iron. You know, anybody out there on Instagram? My wife put this picture up on Instagram the other day, and I thought it was a great picture of us standing on the character of God. We have that little picture there, Tiffany, that lion picture. Look at that. That's my boy. This is at the San Diego Zoo. Any parents out there like the San Diego Zoo? 
So, so Shelly, my wife, put this picture up of, of my son, Ike. But I thought it was a great picture of the character of God. And, I, and I'm going I'm to tell you why. Uh, we think, this is my son. So what he did is he climbed on top of that, this lion and he started to roar, okay? We think we are the ones that are roaring. But we are sitting on the lion of the tribe of Judah. We are sitting on the character of God. Sure, he lets us roar. Sure, he lets us cry out. But one day he will roar and he will bring breakthrough into our lives. We're sitting on his character. We can trust that he will roar on our behalf and we will roar with him. Are you with me? That's a cute kid, huh? Okay, you can take that down, Tiffany, so they don't get distracted. Um, Persistence. Persistence is one of the ways we turn the key of prayer into our life. Knowing the character of God, that's the way we turn the key of prayer into our life. One more I just want to point out to you, faith. Faith is how we turn the key of prayer in our life. This is the final means I want to talk about this morning of the key of prayer, turning the key of prayer with faith. Let's look at what it says in verse 8 real quick of Luke 18. Will they keep putting them off? I tell you, he he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find, will he find on the earth? Faith is a key. Faith is one of the ways we turn the key of prayer. You know, faith is a theme there in Luke 18. Jesus talks about faith here with the unrighteous judge. He talks about the faith of the tax collector versus the Pharisee a little later in Luke 18, teaching us about authentic faith versus a pseudo kind of hyper-spiritual faith like the Pharisees. Then he goes into teaching us about having faith like a child there in Luke 18, teaching us how to live by faith. But perhaps one of the great stories of faith in the whole New Testament is found at the end of Luke 18, a man who was healed by faith. And it's a parallel story to this story at the beginning of Luke 18. So let's jump in there now at verse 35, the story of a blind man who was healed by faith. We'll read it together. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. So here's the scene, right? Jesus is approaching a city. And in the times of the New Testament, many of the needy and broken people would sit upon the outskirts of the city, much like driving through the border at Tijuana. You see the brokenness. You see the people that are needy, that are needing breakthrough and help and money in their lives. This was the scene. Jesus is walking up with this whole crowd, and this man asks, who's coming by? Who's happening? He can't see, remember. He's trying to figure out if there's someone there that can help him. Let's keep going. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Well, he must have known something about Jesus' reputation. He must have known that Jesus was a healer. He must have heard of other people crying out to Jesus and Jesus touching their life because his response to hearing that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, it says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him. I tell you what, sometimes people might tell you to, to knock off your faith a little bit. I want to encourage you to stoke your faith in the person of Jesus. We want to be people that says in Romans 12, 11, who are never lacking in zeal, but keeping our spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. We want to be people burning bright in faith. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. I like how Jesus noticed his faith. I want to tell you this morning that Jesus notices your faith. 
He notices your faith. I, I believe when we cry out to Jesus, maybe it's just that simple prayer like this guy, God, help. He notices it. He looks down from heaven. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? I, I like this because obviously Jesus knew. I think it was pretty obvious that the guy was blind. But Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? Sometimes he waits to be asked. Sometimes he waits to be asked in faith. Lord, I want to see. I love it. He already knows he's the Lord. I don't know how, but God's revealed it to him. This story is just pregnant with meaning and all kinds of things. Lord, I want to see. He replied. Let's go to the next section here. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately his sight uh, got lost. He received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. The people went from rebuking him to praising God because Jesus saw his faith and he was healed. Wow. You might say, Kendall, are you some kind of faith preacher? Is there any other kind? We, we want to be people that live by faith. That's the way of Jesus. That's the Christian way. Yes, we have doubts. Yes, we have reality in life that we must struggle with. But in the middle of all that, we want to be people that call out on faith, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. We want to have a heart that puts us towards Jesus in the midst of our struggle and not away. That's the kind of persevering faith God wants to give people in this church. I love this passage on this man of faith. I find it so interesting because it parallels the story of the persistent widow. Here we have a person who's needing and crying out for justice and breakthrough. And this man calls out to Jesus in faith. He's turning the key of prayer. He's turning it with faith. Jesus looks at him in his eyes and says, what do you want me to do? You know, I think this is a great parallel for something we do at this church called FaceTime. We call it FaceTime because in Exodus 33, Moses, it says, spoke to God face to face as a man does with a friend. We spend time with God every morning in this church because when we do that, we believe that Jesus looks back. Sure, not maybe a vision in front of you, but he's looking down from heaven. He's looking at your face saying, what do you want me to do? There's a great story I'd love to tell you just, just uh, from recently in our church of one of the moms in our church that was having FaceTime. She was spending time with the Lord, and she really wanted to go on our Mexico trip. She really wanted to go. She and her husband were slated to lead one of our big teams of 50, 60 people, so they had an important job on this trip. We were praying as a staff, believing that they'd get to go, but there was one problem. Their newborn daughter didn't have a birth certificate, and there was an issue with the paperwork, and so they had to schedule an appointment with, like, the uh, Office of Vital Records or something like that, and they couldn't get an appointment until after the trip, so they were praying every day. Some days, I think uh, Kelly told me, they were calling like every five minutes trying to get some appointment to get to this office. If you've ever tried to get an appointment where appointment wasn't available, it's a lot like a wall that won't break down. It's a lot like a door that won't open. Amen? So they're praying, and then she's spending FaceTime with God in the morning, just spending time with God, praying, listening to God, reading her Bible, and God speaks to her that morning. He says, call right now. There will be an appointment for you. Now, why wasn't it the 50 times before that? You know, why did it have to happen that Monday rather than this whole journey of prayer for two weeks before? I love how she didn't worry about that. She just called. She responded in faith. There were three appointments that day. They got the birth certificate. They're in Mexico right now leading a ton of people. So just a simple story, but it illustrates something powerful about faith. Faith requires partnership with God. Faith is not passive waiting, but an active response to what God is saying. 
Faith is not passive waiting, but an active response to what God is saying. I think oftentimes when we think about living by faith, we think about, you know, kind of more of a lazy river, you know. You're kind of doing nothing in life and hoping things will happen to you. But that's not God's way of faith. God's way of faith is active. Look at this guy in the story that God healed. I mean, he's yelling so loud that people are telling him to be quiet, and then what does he do? He just yells louder. <laughs> he's like, no way. <laughs> I'm exercising my faith. Jesus is here. I need help. I am going to move forward in faith. He responded. He didn't say, well, why didn't Jesus call me out? Why didn't something good happen to me? He reached out to God in faith. He didn't live in the why. He lived in the what can I do to move forward in God and call out in faith for a breakthrough in my life. He was turning the key of prayer in faith. Yeah, faith is not sitting and waiting and doing nothing. That guy did the opposite. He did what he could. And sometimes God's just calling you to do what you can and step out in faith. Isn't that awesome? I think of the little boy who God multiplied his lunch. He had something to give, right? I think of Peter stepping out on the water. Well, at least he tried. Good job, Peter. I know you sank a little bit and we kind of make fun of you for that, but that was a pretty good step. We want to be people that live by faith. Yeah, I think of the power of a key. Anybody out there have one of those more high-tech keys? You don't even have to put it in anything. You just kind of put your foot on the brake or I can't ever figure them out. You put your foot on the brake and the car like magically starts. Some of us have more of the low-tech keys. You put them in. Then there's like the switchblade keys. Those are kind of cool. So there's all these different kinds of keys, right? But we're talking about how prayer is the key. Here's the situation with your keys. You still have to do something with the key to get the car to start. Faith requires our active participation in what God is doing. We don't need to be presumptive. We don't need to, you know, try to do it our own way, but we just want to listen to God and ask him what his next step is. I love this story from our Mexico trip. As we're talking about prayer and faith, I I just can't help but share it. You know, we're planting this church uh, campus in Playa de Tijuana, and it's right next to a park. The name of this park is uh, Parque de Mexico Sur or something like that. It's like this Mexico Southern Park. And... uh, our team uh, is going to this park. Well, they meet this guy that's at the park, and he is a missionary, I think, from Colombia, right? God sent him from Colombia to Mexico. And he came to Mexico, and he felt like God told him to go to this park that day. So by faith, he went to this park. This is some guy we've never met, doesn't know anything about All People's Church or who we are or whatever. He's just a random guy from Colombia. Okay, so he goes to Mexico. He goes to this park. He prays at this park for two hours that God would send laborers to that park and start a church in that area. Well, wouldn't you imagine a surprise when all of these buses pull up to the park and God answers his prayer immediately and we're like, yeah, we're starting a church tomorrow. (laughs) I mean, man. Let's just get this guy at some more parks, you know? But that is living by faith, active participation in what God is doing, turning the key of prayer and believing for breakthrough. You know, Jesus has the keys. He has the authority over the earth. He says, in, uh, well, it says in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You know, I believe when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the neck, he came back and he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus has authority, but oftentimes he's waiting for us to do things in our own life, to pray and come in agreement together so he can unleash his authority and bring breakthrough in our families, in our cities, in our nation. It's the power of turning the key of prayer. Amen? Great, so let's do this. The band's going to come on up, and I just want to close with one, one brief story as the band comes up.
few years ago, uh, uh, my wife and I were decorating our first home, and I went onto eBay, and sh- there were some old keys she wanted us to order. And uh, we, we bid on them, and I don't know how much we bid. It, it wasn't that much, but we won this bid. And I thought we were getting like six or seven old keys, and we were going to hang them in this uh, kind of shabby chic. I don't even know if that's cool anymore. But anyway, uh, kind of window frame, and they were going to be a, you know, kind of a statement in our house. Well, lo- imagine my surprise when I won this auction, and these two huge boxes of keys arrived at my house. But as I was praying for this message, I just felt like God spoke to me and about our church and says, we have more keys than we think we do. We have more of an ability to pray and press in and be persistent for our lives than we think we do. We have so many opportunities to pray. Yes, it's FaceTime, but it's also throughout the course of your day. Just believing those quick prayers, believing for God to do big things. As I was preparing for this message called Prayer is the Key. Preparing, okay, just track with me. I'm almost done. Preparing for this message, my wife calls me. Her sister is at my house trying to start the car, and the key won't turn. I'm like, classic, you know? So uh, prayer is the key. The key won't turn. Okay, so now I'm going to have a meeting in North County. I'm going to be late, driving home to help with the key. And I drive to our house, and on the way to our house, it hits me. Wait a minute. Prayer is the key. I haven't prayed for the key to turn. (laughs) Are you with me? I'm just telling you some stories just to emphasize this point. And I started praying in the car, God, just let the key turn so I can go to my appointment and everyone can have a good day. I mean, it wasn't like I was, you know, quoting the Old Testament and calling down heaven. It was just a little prayer in my life. Well, lo and behold, when I pulled right up to the house, right about the time I'd prayed that, they'd had a creative idea and they'd gotten the key to turn. So it always works. The key works. Prayer is the key. It might take persistence. You might have to stand on the word of God and the character of God for a little while. You might have to exercise some faith, but that's okay because we're down for the journey because prayer is the key. Amen? Great. Let's all stand up. Well, how can we talk about prayer and not pray? We have about five or ten more minutes, so we just have a little time to pray together. Your children will continue to be in children's ministry, but I I just want to pray for this. I want to pray for those people that have been in a long-term journey of needing breakthrough in something. And you're like, you know what, Kendall, that persistent prayer thing that really spoke out to me, and I, I don't know what to do, but I need energy from God. I need confidence that my persistent prayer is working and that a breakthrough is coming. And I just feel like there's some people here that need to be encouraged in that this morning. So if that's you, I'm not going to point you out or anything. We're just going to gather around you and pray. Would you just boldly raise up your hands? We just want to pray for you. You don't even have to tell people what the prayer is for. Just leave your hands up if you're believing for a persistent prayer breakthrough in your life all over the room. If you're next to those people, you can just put your hands on their shoulders. Let's just put their hands on their shoulders and just pray, God, you're the God of breakthrough. If you feel comfortable sharing, you can share. If you don't want to share, that's fine too. But let's believe for breakthrough. Let's believe for jobs and better jobs and homes and financial provision and healings and all the things that God wants to do. Let's just begin to pray for our brothers and sisters now. Breakthrough in these areas of persistent prayer. Let's do it. Come on, guys. Let's exercise our faith.
God, we thank you that you're the God of the breakthrough. And we're just going to do something now just to thank God in advance. Let's just all clap and thank God in advance for the answered prayers that are coming, for the things that he's doing, that the Bible says he's working on your behalf, that he's the God of the breakthrough, that he goes before you and break open the, the, bar, the, door, the gates of bronze and cuts the bars of iron. Thank you, God, that you're the God of the breakthrough. This is everyone's focusing on the Lord and asking God for their next steps of this sermon. Just want to give people that need to meet Jesus today the opportunity to respond. You know, walking with God, it's a lifelong journey, but it begins with a few steps. For me, that step came in a, in a friend's bathroom. I've been partying, and the presence of God came into the bathroom, and God just spoke to me and said, this isn't the life I have for you. But to you, that moment could be today for you, where you say, I'm drawing a line in the sand. I don't know how I'm going to work it out, but by faith, I'm going to follow Jesus, and I want to choose to follow him with my life. So every eye is going to close. We're just going to focus on God here. We're just going to focus on God for a few more minutes. But if you're someone today that's saying, I want to respond and give my life to Jesus for the first time, I want to make that decision, just raise your hand so I can see it. Just real quick. I'm not going to point you out. I just want to know who to pray for. Who are those people? Real quick. Great. Anybody else? Awesome. Father, we thank you for anyone that's trusting in you today. And if that's you, I just want you to come to the front and meet with some of our prayer team at the end of the service. But you can repeat this simple prayer after me. It's going to be real easy. It's just a prayer to begin your life in God. You could pray something like this. You could say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to give you my life. I pray you take away my sin. I believe that you died on the cross for it. And I believe you rose from the dead to teach me the way and bring me to heaven. I want to follow you all the days of my life. And I pray you'd fill me with your spirit. Amen. Amen. Awesome morning. Well, um, many of our leaders are out of town, but I think we're just going to get five to ten leaders up here that just want to pray for people that need continual prayer over an issue of their life. So some of our own all-people's leaders are here. We have some pastor friends from out of town, from Fort Collins and from Norman, Oklahoma. We're thankful for you guys. Some of your pastors and staff can be on our prayer team as well. You guys can just come to the front, anybody that wants prayer. I'm going to pray now and officially close our service, but I want you to remember this. Prayer is the key. I want you to be willing to turn that key this week, maybe more than you've ever turned it before, and stand on the character of God for breakthrough in your life. God, we do pray for every issue in our life. God, for all the needs of our city. God, for the crisis that happens from time to time in our nation and the nations of the world. And we just declare that prayer is the key. God, you are the answer, and we need you. And we want to be people that walk with you with powerful, persistent, faith-filled, hope-filled prayers. And we pray you do a work of prayer in our church and in our day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can continue to respond. We'll have a song of worship.